Blog Talk Radio. Before we jump into things, if you're looking for wrestling today, NGW in Richmond, Virginia today, and up an hour and after the woods, without a cause wrestling up in Everett, Washington. So get out there and support the local wrestling. Without further ado, I want to welcome our guest. He has gone by several names, Sir Christopher Michaels. He is one half of... The simply fabulous tag team up in New York, but we also know him as Bill Pierce. Sir, thank you so much for being here with us today at Turnbuckle Turmoil. Well, thanks for the invite. Uh, great to be here with your your listening audience. And as always, I always like to appreciate um, our great wrestling fans. Um, even though I play heel which you know, a lot of fans really like heels better than baby faces in a lot of ways. But I do appreciate, especially you fans, that when I abuse you, you guys throw things right back at me, and I love that. You know, that's uh, one of the things that I love so much about wrestling that's so different than any other form of entertainment that we have is that it's audience participation. Now, I don't mean the cult-like audience participation that the WWE has, that, uh, you know, that every time somebody goes ready to say something, everybody is in unison saying stuff uh, in some type of a religious incantation to me is a little bit cult-like and scary, but, hey, you know, wrestling has evolved. But uh, fans in general, uh, love, there's actually a... Yeah, see, of course, we don't have video here. I'm looking at a, a picture frame that I have on my wall of people that I've worked that are no longer with us. Um uh, looking at Bam Bam Bigelow, Hillbilly Cousin Luke. Um uh, looking at Sensational Sherry. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Crazy Don Rock, my father. Uh, other folks, you know, and one of my best friends uh, that I ever had, but way back in the day when I was a babyface, I, you know, when I found out she passed away, it was devastating to me because these are the same people I would see at every single local show, as you had promoted earlier. Local shows support your independent local guys because they're the guys that you see banging their bodies up on the indies, and eventually they'll find their way uh, onto the big screen, so to speak. So support these guys and gals. Um, you know, get buy their T-shirts. Uh, just support indie wrestling. It's way better than the expensive price tickets that you're going to get at a big arena show when you're going to need uh, binoculars and you get a $500 pass to go spend 
like 30 time seconds next to a superstar before you arch it out so the next person in line could uh, step forward. Come to an indie show. You'll get one-on-one with the wrestlers, and uh, it's a whole lot better because the atmosphere is more relaxed, and uh, that's where I love to interact with um, the great people who come to support us in uh, my over 30-plus years of doing this. I always say that um, if there is no you, there is no us. So I love you guys from the very depth of my heart and uh, into my very center of my bone marrow. Um, I wouldn't be doing this at my age, the ripe old age of 60 years old, which is uh, anathema in the mainstream wrestling because, you know, the uh, ageism is the next big thing that's going on. Oh, well, you know, you're too old. Well, if you're an average person, perhaps. But if you're an above average person, it's a different story. Like in the case of Team Splendid, which you had mentioned. Uh, We are probably about, I would say, out of a handful of maybe five, five tag teams in the country that we are the oldest Think about the Funks, Rock and Roll Express, Team Splendid. We're up there. we got to be in that top five. There's not many guys in our age category that can still mix it up with the young guys. And um, I'm still happy to be doing this. Um, you know, I just figured I'd, you know, give you guys a, a little bit of a um, perspective on how I look at this. I mean, I broke in in 1989, and um, I've done things from SummerSlam 90 to uh, the early days of ECW, um, w, so, uh, NWA, and, uh, and all the information that you could see on the Wikipedia page that somebody so generously uh, made in my behalf, and I'll forever be indebted to that person who thought I was significant enough to uh, immortalize me on Wikipedia. You realize so I had that oxygen being fed to you this whole time. Um, actually, <laughs> you, you, oh, you're fine. But, uh, we appreciate the 30-plus years you've come to entertain us. The business has definitely evolved and changed, as you know, in that time. You oh, yeah. broke into wrestling. What would you say was the biggest difference at that point as opposed to where wrestling is right now? Very simple. When I broke in, you basically got jumped in like you were joining a street gang. They beat the living dog shit out of you. And the reason why they did that is because they wanted to find out exactly where you were at mentally when it came to wrestling. Uh, The expression that was said to me way back in the day from Phil Apollo from um, ICW, otherwise known in the later years of international world-class championship wrestling. And he said, you got to remember something. Uh, if you can't take a good beating, you can't give one. Didn't quite understand what that meant when I was first getting in, into the wrestling business, but I did know that, um, uh, like in Field of Dreams, there's no crying in baseball. Well, there's no crying in wrestling either. It's a tough, tough contact sport. If you want to continue, you know, if you, you want to call it that, even though we all know the origins of wrestling, but the regular guy or gal that's 
sitting on the couch, even if they are athletic in a lot of ways, maybe they're volleyball or basketball or uh, tennis, whatever. They may be athletic in those ways, but in, in, the, in the ways of wrestling, it's um, uh, you know heavy contact. Where when I broke in, you needed to know how to do legitimate moves. Now it's the spot fest. Which I understand people like action, people like to see, uh, you know, larger than life characters acting out, you know, so they're living vicariously through these wrestlers. But the new style of wrestling is everybody's impervious to pain. It's like you could be stomping a guy's leg for for like about a good 30 seconds and the guy's not limping around. It's like these guys just for some reason, um, they don't understand the psychology. Uh, that's how I look at it. Uh, most of the youngsters that I wear T-shirts because, uh, <laughs> sadly, uh, they don't have man's bodies. Sad to say. Back in the 80s, you wouldn't, you know, you see the guys like the Mokies come out and, uh, you know, get the, the, get stomped. But you get guys like the Road Warriors coming out or the Powers of Pain guys that will come out there that can legitimately bench press over 600 pounds and most of these young guys that you got now when they stand in their faction with their sneakers and kick pads and their crappy wrestling gear a lot of these guys just look like cosplay kids that rented a wrestling ring out for a birthday party and it's it's uh, it's to me it's it's disgraceful uh when vince mcmahon said that wrestling was now considered sports entertainment. Enter the cosplayers and charlatans, and now the business is full of them now way more than it was when we at least had regulations and we had a way of weeding out the uh, the, the tears from the wheat, if you want to get a little biblical. But we don't have that now. It's like now like wrestling is an equal opportunity employer and all need to apply, and we got to be... No. Uh, wrestling was a brotherhood for a reason. There was a reason why there was kayfabe. There was a reason why there was carny for a language. It was a secret society, and now it's just been made into a mockery, and it's, uh, it's a shame. Uh, at least when I broke in, they'd say, you know, I know that stuff isn't 100% legit, but you know what? Those two guys were beating the crap out of each other just now. I, I don't know. You know, maybe the other guys weren't too tough, but these guys are really laying it in. And that's the generation that I grew up in. Um... If you notice, there's something called a Cauliflower Alley Club, which a lot of the older wrestlers uh, and a lot of the, you know a lot of wrestlers gather together once a year to celebrate uh, professional wrestling. Uh, but the Cauliflower Alley Club was back in the day when wrestling was a little bit more legit, a little bit more tough, and wrestlers actually got cauliflower ears. <laughs> you know, everybody's they're all showmen now. Everybody's pretty faces. You know, so it's a, it's, it's a different era. Everything's very different. Um, but what I'm fearful of more than anything else is that what's on the top of the marquee, which does say wrestling, is you're seeing less and less and less of wrestling and more and more and more of uh, showmanship and uh, showboating and uh, spot monkeys, which I despise with a passion. You mentioned breaking in with ICW, which was the Savoli's promotion. A lot yes. of the people that worked there 
migrated over to ECW, people like the Dudleys, Taz, Tommy Dreamer, and of course yourself. When I was you first. went and made that transition, did you think initially that ECW had potential to be as big as it became, or did you see it as just another standard independent company at that point? When I got involved, it was when Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert was the booker. And right around the time was when ECW was doing their shows in a sports bar in South Philly someplace. I The name eludes me at this time. But before they actually got um, their um, the, the location, um, I believe it's – no, no, I'm thinking Rittner Street is actually the uh, – uh, I think that's the location of the uh, ECW arena, which was actually secured um, by Johnny Hotbody, who was part of the Suicide Blondes, which was the tag team I was a part of with Chris Candido, Johnny Hotbody, and myself. I was known as Sir Richard Michaels back then. Um, all those guys who migrated over from the Savoldis, which let, let us not forget, the, one of the uh, oldest wrestlers that – uh, passed just a couple of years back, who was also featured in my one of my best friends, Evan Ginsberg, also the associate producer of The Wrestler, and 350 Days, uh, Angelo Savoldi was also in that documentary. I would suggest anyone who was a true wrestling fan and a, a person who, would, who appreciates the origins and the history of the business, I would encourage any of you to watch this. Um, it's done in such a wonderful way that is not boring it hops skips moves and it doesn't leave you bored out of your shoes for a second so i would highly suggest that i know you wanted me to save toward the end to plug something but i i uh like anything else i value my friends and i like to try to put them over as best as i possibly can oh not a problem at all now you also of course had experience on television, uh, you worked for several companies, I'm sure, that were televised at one point or another. Did you often find a difference when it came to wrestle for television versus wrestling just for the fans that were there that night? Well, when you're doing a TV taping, especially um, – back when I was doing my, my things for Titan Sports. Uh, when you're in front of 60,000 people as opposed to maybe 250 people, it tends to do something to you. Uh, it gets your adrenaline going. Uh, plus, you know, you're in front of more people, so you're more apt to take a little bit more of a risk than you may do in front of a small crowd, which... I know it sounds crazy because, you know, some of these guys, oh, I go all out, whether it's 40 or 400, it's like, well, that's great. But when you can't report to work the next day because you've just crippled yourself, you know, you have to learn how to preserve yourself in this business. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm able to still do this at the age that I am. Um, ECW, as you know, getting back before I digress too much, I felt that they had real, real potential um, Eddie Gilbert at the time brought in people like uh, Nikolai Volkov, Don the Rock Morocco, 
Superfly, Jimmy Snooker, just to name a couple of guys that just got released. And I even think to the point where he even brought in Bam Bam, too. But that's when they were doing the, uh, the Shane Douglas, Bam Bam, and uh, Chris Candido. But uh, the Eastern Championship Wrestling was actually the original ECW, and not the pap that they keep on shoving down your throats with Paul Heyman's ECW. Eddie Gilbert's ECW was the first. And the only person from Eddie Gilbert's ECW to actually migrate over and stay with the newer branded version of ECW originals was the Sandman. That was it. Now the guys like J.T. Smith and other guys, you know, they eventually faded out. But when Paul Heyman took the booking over from Eddie Gilbert, in came Tommy Dreamer, in came Taz, in came uh, Tom Brandy and uh, T.D. Madison and... uh, uh, all these other guys that, you know, Paulie had uh, had made promises to, which, you know, I have no um, uh, sour grapes when it comes to that. You know, when there's a booker change, those are the things that happen. But make no mistake, the original ECW were the guys that were inside that sports bar in South Philly, not the guys that that what eventually happened. They just pretty much took the baton away uh, after Eddie Gilbert had a falling out with Todd Gordon. Um, who, incidentally, Eddie Gilbert was the first person to actually give me a break in the business. He told me and paid me the highest compliment I've ever had is that he thought I was a young Eddie Gilbert. I I reminded him of himself as a young Eddie Gilbert. That's really what what he told me, which was complimentary to me because when I was in the Army in Fort Polk, Louisiana, when these guys would come to the Rapides Parish Coliseum or the Lake Charles Coliseum or even at the Fort Polk Fieldhouse, uh, I would see Eddie Gilbert coming out uh, with Missy Hyatt. And in the Rock and Roll Express, so it was Mid-South Wrestling before it was UWF. And, yeah, so it's every, everything, I guess, is, is one of those funny things. It's like you don't realize when you're standing in a situation that years later, here you are standing in it, never knowing you'd ever be in it. That's kind of how that is. And uh, it's been a great ride. Uh, am I wealthy because of wrestling? No. Uh, whether have missed opportunities? Probably. But, you know, I have uh, more appreciation for guys I helped along the way uh, that ended up making it. Uh, guys like Mikey Whipwreck, that when he was a 16-year-old kid, I used to beat the crap out of him. Him and his uh, other three buddies, Craig, um, John, uh, I'm trying to forget the other guy's name. We used to call him the gerbils. used to beat the crap out of him. And just uh, that would wear one out, tag the next one in, wear the one out, tag the next one in. So it's, I don't know, it's just a, a way of life. I don't know. I, I tend to digress because there's so much to talk about. With this, because um, the unique opportunities that I had to meet people that, it, it, if it wasn't because of wrestling, I would have never had that opportunity. You know, so it opened a lot of doors for me. Uh, a lot of doors closed for me as a result of wrestling too. But uh, opportunities come and look as a result of, of this whole thing. I got to meet you, so it's like Absolutely. I said, it's, a, it's 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 a great thing. Well, at this point, my co-host, Coach Mike Jones, is standing by. I'm sure Coach has questions, so I'll pass things over to Coach for a bit. Okay, Coach. Hey, brother. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, you've had a nice storied career, 
And um, first thing, I want to thank you for your service in the military. Oh, appreciate it. Thank you very much for that. And uh, are you currently writing a book, or has anybody uh, reached out to you about writing one? Um, well, I was actually talking to my buddy Evan, uh, see if he was going to ghostwrite for me, but he's a lot doing his other stuff, but I'm open to it. Um, you know, there's so much we could talk about, so many funny stories, um, you know, with the dark side of the ring, I think that's probably a, a, a black eye on the business because, um, there's a reason why... The expression is, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, that was the way it was with wrestling. What happens on the road stays on the road. And, um, you know, there's a lot of um, funny stories I could think of um, just, you know, just traveling outside the U.S., you know. But um, what, what, do you, what do you got? What, what kind of what, what kind of stories do we have? Or other other questions yet? Because um, uh, the, the well, book writing thing sounds yeah. pretty nice, and we could uh, talk after the show concerning that too. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I would I want to tell you that uh, I've recently hired a publishing coach, Patrick Snow, and he can be reached at patricksnow.com, or he's also on Facebook. And man, he's a he's a really great uh, mentor and publishing coach. And he's wrote five, five different books, and then uh, he's been a, a bestseller, uh, sold over a million books in a hundred different countries and five languages. So I'm working well, on that. that sounds like show. the guy's got some street cred. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, you're a two-time ECW uh, tag team champion, I hear. That is correct. Uh, suicide Bonds. My biggest okay. feud I had was with Wild Man Sal Balomo, God rest his soul. Such a beautiful, beautiful man. Um, Hi. One of the. It was, it was such. It was my. It was my privilege to work with him. Um, such a like uh, like a like a like a, a library of knowledge. Um, and so humble. I'll give you a funny Salvatore Bologna story that you'll get a kick out of. We were doing, um, in Brooklyn, I believe it was, uh, 18th Avenue, probably St. Dominic's Church. So back then we were doing these street fights. And at that time, you were able to actually go out into the crowd. The New York State Athletic Commission didn't have too much issue with that, providing you didn't get near anybody. But normally when you're doing what we call a clear the furniture match, people tend to get out of the way anyhow. So they ended up taking the street fight out into the street, literally. And uh, this guy, bodyguard for hire, uh, which you may not know his name, but you might know his son, uh, Mike Cruel. That was in uh, OVW for some time. Okay. Um, or Kid Cruel or Mike Cruel, but he was doing. He did OVW for some time, and uh, him and uh, why can I I'm see his face? I can't think of his name. Oh, the teacher guy. Oh, gee whiz. Oh, he's gonna get mad at me for forgetting his name. Matt Stryker. There you go. Huh. Okay. Okay. Ah, God. But the two of them used to go at it a lot. But um, in any event. Uh, so he went out into the street, 
And Sal Blomo told this guy to body slam him on top of his old Cadillac, which he did. Caught with a tank, so nothing happened to it. Then he ended up taking him and head taking his head, ramming it into a New York City MTA bus windshield and broke the windshield. Damn. So the bus had to stop. So meanwhile, we're in the locker room, and of course, NYPD gets called. The local pizzeria across the street thought it was a real fight. They locked <laughs> their doors. It was hysterical. So the cops came. And they knew what was going on, and they didn't want to do anything. They didn't want to do any paperwork. So they were coming to Sal. Okay, Sal, um, uh, we came here looking for the guy, and we can't find him. No, 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 I'm right here. He goes, no, no, Sal, Sal. We were looking for the guy, and we can't find him. And he goes, no, 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 I'm right here. The guy was so honest, he was going to bone up to it. The cops yeah. are like trying to tell the guy, "Look, we're, we're giving you a, we're giving you a pass," and he couldn't figure it out. But that doesn't give you an idea of what kind of a, the integrity of that man, uh, I'm Sal Balomo. This is a, a, a little bit of a funny joke, as far as the oh. how that went, and we laughed about it for for years afterwards because we were like, you know, Sal, these guys are telling you basically they didn't see you. Um, nothing to see here. We're moving on, and this poor guy was about to put himself into trouble. It was so funny, but this goes to show you, you know. Uh, nice. Yeah, and I think you had some, you had some great feuds throughout the years. One of them was with the the big guy Magic, where uh, the one time I noticed where you guys won the tag team titles from them, like you were saying. It seemed like half the crowd cheered when you guys won, even though you were the heels. Well, uh, Magic, oh, what can I say about Andrew? Uh, I love that man uh, to hell and back. I've known him for almost my entire wrestling career. I remember his mom when she was alive, rest her soul. Um yeah, I'll send you guys some videos I did when myself and Magic had our last feud um, when I was still doing Sir Christopher Michaels, and you'll probably like it. One was a promo. The other one was a vignette. So I'll send that to you guys after you get a kick out of it. But, um, yeah, um, we go way back. The funny thing is, is right after we won the titles from that company, there was problems with it, and uh, we ended up um, uh, just vacating the titles, but we still got the straps. That's another. That's another story. But uh, it's. Um, I guess, like I say, uh, I'll, to put over uh, my buddy Magic, Funhouse Wrestling. Uh, check it out on Facebook. Support him. If you live out in the New Jersey area, you want to go out there and uh, support some great stuff. Family-oriented entertainment. All right, no, uh, no risque stuff stuff you're not uh embarrassed to bring your grandma to come to a wrestling show you know when you when you gotta like give your grandma a disclaimer before the wrestling show it's not family entertainment so it's uh yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean but it's it's all done you know done funhouse wrestling is exactly what it is is really meant for for kids um and i believe it's for birthday parties and uh you know other gatherings so uh Support my buddy Magic, uh, but we will we will face each other again. Um, I also want to um, uh, 
speak highly of uh, New Age Wrestling out there in Massachusetts, where we are the uh, tag team champions of Team Splendid. Didn't want to go without mentioning that. All right, yeah, I just uh, gave Funhouse Wrestling a like. And what was the other one, New Age? New Age Wrestling. They're out of Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, Very good wrestling promotion. Their main focus there is stop the violence. Um, Just, you know, so you know, and and saying it's a... It is a Christian-based wrestling organization, so it's not um, a typical mainstream indie that does things that I find not, for me, I don't like it. Um, I do not like intergender matches when the guys and the girls are mixing it up. I don't like that at all. Yeah. I realize the empowerment of of females is a great thing, but I also don't endorse um, guys beating the crap out of girls. I don't want to normalize Mm -hmm. that. It's not right for a man that raised four sons and um, raising two daughters as well. It's not something you want to normalize and make it entertaining because at that point, um, what happens to our society when now it's like, hey, guys, beat up girls. You know, I, I yeah, just yeah. don't. I don't go with that. that that's not me. Um, you know, the it's. Uh, I, I like the form of wrestling when it was wrestling. You know, when uh, the guy would threaten to hit the girl, come close but not quite make it. Yeah, that because you're stirring up emotion and you're getting people to expect something, but then you yank the carpet out from under their feet and don't give it to them. Uh, okay. Excuse me? Sure, go right ahead, buddy. Um, so um, I know you had lots of memorable matches, but what was a couple of your uh, most memorable matches? Probably the most memorable was the time I had to wrestle Ric Flair. Um, he called the spot for me to put him in a headlock, and I didn't hear him, and I didn't react fast enough, and then after that he just took over. So I'm thinking, had I heard him call that spot and actually put him in the headlock and followed him a little bit, that may have been the defining moment in my wrestling career. Maybe, maybe not. But uh, just being in the ring with Ric Flair, but only a few years ago, I was in the Army watching him on NWA. So that, to me, was like, was awfully cool. Um you know, I, I was not not like I was a wrestling fan my entire life as a kid. It was mainly from the time I was in the army that I gained my appreciation for it. Um, but uh, it's just how things fell into place. Um, the U, there was two different UWFs: the one from Cowboy Bill Watts and the one from uh, Herb Abrams. Um, first it was Mid South Wrestling, then they turned to UWF. And that's kind of like when I got my interest in it, but I was in the Army, so I couldn't do anything about it. It wasn't until I came home and ended up meeting a girl at my job whose father ran a wrestling school, and you know, everything's history from there. <laughs> so it's it's just funny how things just fell into place. So you yeah, just never know. A fan of both the UWFs. Okay, and then um, who was some of your toughest opponents? Well, 
I'll say as far as hard hitting, uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine and the Nasty Boys for sure. Um, I remember the if you and you could probably look it up. You'll see uh, Nasty Boys versus Phil Apollo and Bill Pierce. You'll see us getting the snot slap at. Well, mostly me because that was my first time in the ring with him. But after the match was over, uh, Brian Knobs is very pleased with what I did, and I didn't make them look bad. And that's the biggest fear. See, the funny thing is that what a lot of folks don't realize is when you're a top name and they're pushing you and they're trying to give you, uh, at least then, wrestlers had more creative license. Now I think they've got Hollywood writers forming what these guys do. But the Nasty Boys just lost their belt, so they had to look really aggressive. So they, I mean, I'm saying they beat me from pillar to post. They slapped the dog shit out of me. And when we were done, I went to the back, and I'm like, well, was everything cool, guys? Ryan Nobbs is very happy, big gleaming smile, and he goes, brother, next time, it's easy. And next time I went in the ring with them, I did two spots, take my, uh, my partner in, and he took the rest of the heat. So uh, doing the right thing goes a long way with these guys, uh, especially when you're doing a TV taping, and you could embarrass these guys. So... In essence, they're more fearful of me than I was of them because they didn't know if I was going to make them look embarrass them or if I was going to make these guys look like they were the strongest things since Superman. So it's all in how you uh, you conform to perform. If you have an ego, this is not a business for you because um, this is a give and take. You know, it's like ballroom dancing. You know, there's there's a particular thing you need to follow. And, you know, if you want to be the real legit uh, thing, then go into MMA. But professional wrestling is still a performance art that um, can be saved, providing that we inject some more storytelling in old school and not focus so much on high spots. Exactly. You know, and. Excuse me. Go right ahead. Um, and then well, who were some of your most hated opponents? Um, honestly, I've had a great relationship with everybody. I've, I, I've never had um, – I think the only person that I had maybe a miscommunication with that got a little bit ugly in the ring was Manny Fernandez. And it wasn't because uh, – it was more of I was, uh, for instance, <laughs> um, I wrestled with Tito Santana. I used to be tag champs and him on uh, uh, Universal Wrestling Superstars. It was in India this way. And him and Tito, you know, know each other. He says he's his cousin, but, you know, Spanish people always say primo, primo, you know, same thing, only just a respect thing. But Tito and Manny are like two different sides of the coin. Manny is laying in, smack the shit out of me, make it look like you're trying to fight me, and Tito was like, don't leave a mark on me. You know, so it's two different styles. Yeah. So you have to, if like anything else, is you have to know the style of your opponent before you get in the ring with them because it can become a complete and total clusterfuck. Um, and you have to know who you're working with. Like if you're going to go wrestle um, Terry Funk, you know it's going to get crazy. 
Or same thing with uh, Mick Foley. Well, he's not wrestling anymore. But um, the times that I did wrestle with him, first, first when I was breaking in, he used to come to the same wrestling school I went to and used to get in the ring with us. And uh, I want to not even say the ring. It, was, it actually was a garage. It wasn't even a, it was a wrestling ring. It was a garage with uh, that had a platform made on the floor with the uh, mats that you would have like in regular uh, amateur wrestling. And we had to learn how to do back bumps on on, on a hard on a hard surface. So imagine Damn. these guys having the, the easy time learning how to bump in a ring. Lucky lucky guys. I never had that privilege. I had to learn how to do it old school. And the reason why they did it that way is they wanted you tough. Uh, two of the hottest places back then was uh, Puerto Rico and Japan. And neither one were known for having very cushiony rings. They were known for having very stiff rings. So if you weren't able to take the abuse before you get into those things, you have to, you know, you have to know what to expect. And that's the whole purpose of training you that way. You know, referees, valets, wrestlers, everyone has to learn how to bump. It's just part of you know, survival. You know, if you feel yourself going off balance or something, you know how to adjust your body to at least land with, you know, hopefully not hurting yourself at all. But you need to know how to do these things. And without the training, you know, this is why, you know, the whatever you see what happens when the lights go on and the curtains are up, the preparation beforehand, is just, there's just so much that goes on that, you just don't catch it because when it's done, it's the you know it's the final product. It's like watching the car with the showroom shine rolling off the assembly line. You're seeing the finished product, but you don't see all the work that goes into it. You know, exactly. like a Thanksgiving dinner, right? We did, we yeah. just had Thanksgiving, and anyone who knows that you know, mom or whomever, grandma, whatever, was up five o'clock in the morning, turkey in the oven. Making all the all the trimmings and uh, all the rest of the uh, ingredients for those that celebrate Thanksgiving and that do traditional Thanksgiving, I should say, because in my house we don't we don't do it because my wife is from Guyana, so turkey to them is like eh, you know it's dry. It's like eating sawdust anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't mind, you know. I would yeah. I was happy with what we had here anyway. Um, but it's it just. Thanksgiving isn't necessarily the tradition of the what's on your table, but it's the message of togetherness and being thankful for what you have and not trampling your neighbor tomorrow than or the following day trying to buy a video game for your kid who probably doesn't deserve it in the first place. Yeah, really. Yeah, it reminds me when I started training with the Butcher Debashi, they had their ring outside, and it rains here a ton. So what they would do is just have the – we trained on the boards. So well, wait a that, minute. You're, you're right in Washington, right? Yeah, yeah. They got you warmed up pretty good training on the boards. Well, <laughs> what, what part of Washington? Because I, I was out there a few years back when um, my my son that was we stationed at Fort Lewis out there in Pierce yeah. County. Yeah, and uh, I was out there. Remember getting some nice pictures of Mount Rainier. Um. Yeah, it's very, it's very, uh, it's like you guys are, it, it always have damp weather. It's it's almost like the misery of Louisiana without the mosquitoes. <laughs> it has gotten better. Seems like we have more sunny days. Uh, 
Yeah, I grew up in Tacoma. Now I live in beautiful Puyallup. I got a nice view of Mount Rainier, and I I like it. Oh yeah, see, when uh, uh, my, my my son was airborne, so <clears throat> so when we went out for my um, my um, his oldest daughter was being born. I had we went out there just after her birth, and he was actually scheduled to jump on this particular run. But he had said, hey, you know, guys, look, you know, my dad's a vet. Could he, you know, could I bring him down to the jump site so he could, you know, watch what was going on and everything? So they told him, yeah, no problem. You know, they told him where to go. And it was cool. Um, they had three C-141s that circled around, and as each one made a pass, their guys did their jump. And it was just so cool to see that. You know, I mean, I wish I was able to see my son jump, but, you know, for obvious reasons, I couldn't. But that, to me, was like, wow. And my son used to always break my chops because I was a tanker. I wanted to go airborne, but there weren't too many airborne tankers. So it was like, yeah. But my son always broke my balls about it. But, okay, you know, all the good fun. Also, also seen... Um... <clears throat> some of your feud with rage and of course you and your partner getting in there and double teaming him and bloodying him up but I, I did notice one thing about that I didn't see Gary Wolf anywhere near that I don't see no videos of you guys doing that to Gary Wolf ah, <coughs> we did have a <coughs> oh god excuse me sorry guys um, a match with him and Gary where it got a bit hardcore um, geez, I know Gary for quite some time. She was, it, it was kind of something that was starting to catch some wind, but it didn't, I think it just the timing with everything. And then not too long after that, the whole, um, COVID crisis happened and that kind of killed a lot of stuff. Um, especially, uh, you know, where I am in New York, it's like, it's crazy. Places like Florida are back to normal, but over here they're like worried about, you know, the next variant. The next variant is oh, for Christ's sake, give me a break already. You know, it's enough is enough. It's, uh, yeah. Look, I've been out in this the entire time, from the time I worked construction. Then they shut us down. Then they went to security. Then I was doing security during the protests and other crap that was going on. Still didn't wear a mask. Did nothing. And I'm not crapping on anybody look it's the basically what it is it's if the if you're a person who's got compromised uh health it's gonna hurt you know it's gonna affect you like anything else look the common cold kills people too it's you know it's not like it doesn't happen it's just that you know this is um right now it's it's uh, surgically precisionly being focused on 24 hours a day seven days a week it's like enough is enough it's like my god Makes you think of Orson Welles, the War of the Worlds. People turned the radio on, heard the radio broadcast, didn't know it was a show, thought it was a real news report, and were jumping out windows of their houses to kill themselves because they thought we were being invaded by Martians. Exactly, and it's <laughs> almost like 19, 1984 is coming through. Well, um, we're, you know, me being a military veteran, I have a bit of distrust for government where a lot of other people wouldn't and 
I would always tell anyone, if you ever questioned a military veteran, they would always say, I serve my country, not my government. And there's a big thing to say with that because it's the people. You know, it doesn't make a difference who you are, what you worship, who you have sex. I can give a damn less. But if you live in a country which under my flag flew, then that's why I was in. It didn't make a difference who you are, but because of, you know, who you, you know, who you were, citizen of the country. And anybody that does service, you know, for for that reason. But it's, exactly. uh, you know, it's uh, a thing where, you know, <clears throat> Uh, where the military became voluntary in this country was they were used to be a draft. Um, I always believe that everybody should have skin in the game when it comes to things because in this way everybody will will, will treasure things a little differently. And my analogy is basically I had a son that I used to buy a watch for all the time that would always get his watch stolen or would break or would get would get punked for it or whatever, and. Until he started buying his own stuff, spending his own money, suddenly things were taken care of better. So until you actually have skin in the game where there's some level of sacrifice on your end, that's when things are taken serious. In exactly. Any way. Uh, yeah, that's why uh, wrestling schools used, would cost anywhere from three to $5,000 because it kept the people who weren't serious away. So I think I got a couple more minutes on here. I think there's like 15 minutes left in the show, but I do got just a few more questions for you. Um, So, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Evan Ginsberg. I had the pleasure of being on his uh, Everything Coast to Coast uh, show. Oh, very nice. I was on it too. (laughs) Nice. Especially since that's one of my – part of my rap. I'm Coach Mike Jones, the coach with the most coming at you from coast to coast. But I've made it cool. Oh, I like it. And then uh, also, uh, I'm sure you've ran across uh, a- Andrew Anderson over there. Oh, I I I know Andrew. I I just saw him a couple weeks ago. Um, he's actually shrunk down a bit. He's down to a 34 waist. I'm so proud of him. Um, he's younger than me. I'm in better shape than he is. But I keep on breaking his balls about it. <laughs> Not now. I just had. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Hernia surgery a little over a month ago, so I put a few pounds back on. So I gotta get my cardio back up starting next week. I had to wait at least five, six weeks before I start doing that. Now I don't, I don't okay. run outside. I use a machine. I use the Gazelle, right. the best cardio machine ever. Not that I'm trying to put that guy over, but it helped me lose 56 pounds. All right, and then along with the, the army. eating properly. <laughs> Speaking of the Army, I've got my own faction called the Real School Army, and Andrew Andrew Anderson's a member, along with our mentor, Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan, and Gary Wolf, the pit bull. Oh, (laughs) nice. I should give Gary a call and tell him that you guys are putting him over today. (laughs) Exactly. We're going nationwide. We just got our logo, uh, NGW Worldwide. We've already been to Indiana. Oh, what uh, part of Indiana you guys went to? I went to uh, Fort Wayne in Indianapolis. Um, it was nice my, son, to go over there. my son Michael lives in Fort Wayne. Yeah, we got to do the Heroes and Legends a couple times now. It was nice I got to go over there with Sign Guy one time since he's familiar with the area. 
I want to get Team Splendid booked out there so my grandchildren can watch me. So my, uh, my, nice. I got my four granddaughters live out there. Two of them already saw me yeah. wrestle, but they haven't seen me with the new and improved. Um, yeah, part of, I guess I, I want to mention the about, about Team Splendid, just to give you a, a quick um, synopsis. Um, of course, me, um, I, 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 this whole thing came out to be is more of me being an advisor for um, Simply Splendid Bobby C. And that's when I started doing the butler, as you guys also had highlighted in the uh, uh, the teaser for the show. Is that's basically what I was just doing. I just came out there just to try to just enhance, or just be the guy that took one bump a night, didn't have to wrestle, didn't have, didn't have to lay his boots up, didn't have to sweat. But it was a, yeah, it was great for me. <laughs> I would just go there, show up, yeah. whatever I had on, and you know I'd take my one bump of the night, and I was good to go. But he kept on, you know, he, Bobby C. kept on begging me, begging me, begging me. Oh, you got to tag me, got to tag me. And and then we started, okay, well, now I got to change my outfit because I was coming out using my old Sir Christopher Michaels cape. And he's coming out with his cape being purple. I'm like, okay, well, we're, I don't like the twinning in tag teams, but I like looking similar. So he likes using the singlet or the one strap over the shoulder. I tell him, I said, you just like that because you don't want to work on your abs, but he's breaking his chops. But I, I like <laughs> saying, look, I'm not afraid to take my shirt off. I'm like, look, that's half the thing when I see wrestlers that wear T-shirts. I'm like, come on, guys, you know, step it up a little bit. Look like an athlete. You know, not exactly. like the uh, top four drivers for Uber Eats for the week. <laughs> yeah, it was uh... – was a big fan of your one eight hundred number too. Get the f out of here. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, a funny thing that was my. Um, I had actually done some other videos for that. It was on a different YouTube channel, but it was subsequently um, I was deleted. It was put on pause, whatever you want to call it. But um, yes, the uh, Ralphie, Frankie, Carmine, and Ralphie Jr. It's yeah. actually. Well, Maxie's my uncle, my cousin, my other cousin, and so it's my 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 uncle and my cousins, all four, and, and the three brothers. So it's actually Carmine is actually the older one, but the way it just rolls off better, saying Ralphie, Frankie, Carmine, and Ralphie Jr. It just it just, just came out like that, and um, it's uh, it's art imitating life. And I use that because, you know, they all have Italian names. I'm half Italian, half Irish, so I don't have, um, you know, the, the, the full dark hair and, you know, I get really nice and tan in the summer. I have the the, the Italian part wants to tan, the Irish part wants to burn, and I go walking around looking like uh, like uh, like Geronimo. I look more like a Native American. My, my skin turns red tan. You know, so it's right. uh, I'm screwed either way. So it doesn't. <laughs> and right, well, what makes it worse is my girls, right? They're, um, I said they're from Guyana, so they're uh, they're obviously um, they're obviously uh, dark complexion. I guess like the proper words to say, because God knows it could have somebody, some Karen out there, sort of banging her head that door frame <laughs> because I didn't use the proper uh, pronouns, but. Uh, they would abuse me when I had my sunburn. They're like, 
pushed your finger on me, make white dots on me, and play connected dots. Oh. I'm like, you know, you, you know, I said, wow. you, you, you people are mean. <laughs> but uh, that's my family, my my kids. Uh, but that's well, the I funny mean, thing about you know kids and curiosity and you know everything is all just love, man. It's all just love. I'd like to thank you for your time. I'm sure Sign's got some more questions for you. It's been an honor and pleasure. Thank you, and wish you continue success. Oh, guys, I'd love to do this again, and uh, hopefully, I'll get my stuff up and running and have you guys on. That'd be nice. Right. I would definitely love that. Uh, before we wrap this up nice and neat, uh, if you have anything you want to say in closing, anything you want to plug and promote, social media, shows, merchandise, your favorite ice cream shop, anything you'd like, floor is all yours. Well, uh, I wish I could know the exact link. I'm probably going to have to post it in the uh, um, the same ad teaser that we did. But we do have a Teesprings account, Team Splendid. That has merchandising on there, everything from uh, coffee mugs to beach towels to phone cases. Um, they and uh, I had I got to see if I still have the, there was a promo code that we had for November and get out of the way if I really think I've thought about it ahead of time. See that that's what I get for not doing my homework. Um, listen of course to my friend uh, Evan Ginsberg's Coast to Coast with uh, Buddy Satello and Evan Ginsberg. Two great minds in the wrestling business, and you know, we're talking New York, we're talking California. Uh, Evan, also, by the way, if you're not aware, is the chauffeur for Team Splendid. I don't know if you guys were aware of that, but when yeah. uh, this whole COVID thing is all over with, he comes out as our limousine driver, our chauffeur, and he twirls his keys around his finger, yelling at the wrestling fans, and and I quote, you peons will never ride in our limo. Words from <laughs> Evan's lips. <laughs> but they, uh, also, I say I appreciate the uh, the time for even having me on this. Uh, I'll give you one one quick wrestling road story that you probably get a kick out of. Now, you guys are familiar with Primo Canera III from the FBI yeah. BCW? Good buddy of mine. Um Back in the WWF TV taping days, during the preliminaries, uh, we we just left Erie, Pennsylvania, and we had two stretch vans. And during that time, of course, there was no DVDs; we were just VCRs with TVs in our vans. Uh, Primo was sitting in the passenger seat of the van, all the way up in the front. And of course, back then, you know, all the all those guys were, you know, lifting weights or all taking supplements. And you know, if you're taking supplements, you're going to have a borborigmic event, which um, Primo lifted his leg, let one rip, and it was freaking. It was like eye watering, like cutting onions. It was like Jesus Christ, man. And we're all rolling the windows down. Well. It just so happened we're passing a dairy farm. The cow shit stunk so bad on the outside, we had to roll the windows back up. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I'd give you a, a little insider thing on, on, on one of those things. But the, there's a lot of funny stories, uh, ribs and things that we do to each other just to pull pranks. But, but at the end of the day, um, like I mentioned earlier before, 
I know a lot of secrets for a lot of guys and girls that are out there, and it'll, I will take them to the grave because my integrity is uh, like virginity. Once you lose it, you'll never get it back. And um, one of the reasons I will also boast while I pound my chest, you heard that, right? I pounded it. They had a Me Too list of wrestlers that were inappropriate to females in the uh, wrestling locker rooms. And I like to say with a lot of uh, credit to myself for staying true to what I was taught is that my name never appeared on that list. And three, mm-hmm. the, the, the three, number, uh, three big rules that they, they would tell us. Number one, don't mess with anybody's wife. Number two, don't mess with anybody's girlfriend. And even more important than anything else, don't mess with anybody's ring rat. And Good advice. you abide by those three, you'll do well. And also, more than anything else, is it does happen. People do get in relationships in the business. It's just, you know, it's like any other workplace environment relationship thing. But like any place else, is the advice is always don't um, shit we eat. Um, because if things don't go well, then it's going to get very uncomfortable because you guys are going to end up being booked on events and you're going to keep on running into each other. So that's why it's something yep. that's really, really not um, recommended to do. I mean, there are a few um, anomalies that are out there. I mean, Crowbar and his wife, they're both in the business and they have a great relationship. And, and kudos to the two of them for being uh, uh, a standout in, in this business because a lot of marriages don't work. Uh, Sam Houston was married to Baby Doll. That didn't work. Hasta uh, uh, Eddie Gilbert was married to Missy Hyatt. That didn't work. Macho Man. Oh, I, I forgot to mute my cell phone. You got to hear the Jetsons. Um, uh, Macho Man. Uh, Randy Savage and him and Elizabeth, they were married. That did last year. So, you know, it's like anything else. But in, in the business, it's just, I don't know, for me, it's persona non grata. I'll always stick, I'll stay away from it. Uh, and whatever the guys and gals do on the road, I get my blinders up because none of my business. <laughs> it's, it's the, I'm not a whistleblower for nothing. I'm not going to be a dark side of the ring participant because I'm not, um, rat nobody out for anything because that to me is the, we we have had a brotherhood and sisterhood in this business and now everybody wants to um, I don't know throw the people under the bus I, I won't uh, I won't stand on someone's back to elevate myself another eight inches for nothing and that's that's not my makeup. Nice. And then how yeah. do people get a hold of you? Uh, let's see. Well, I think it's. It's uh, fabulous, sensational at gmail dot com. You could check us out on Facebook. Look up for look up look for Team Splendid. Um, simply sensational, Fabio as in F A B I O L O U S, Fabiolus or simply Splendid Bobby C. Um, look up uh, New Age Wrestling. Uh, that's up in Springfield, Massachusetts. Anybody that happens to be in that area. You could look up New Evolution Wrestling, Alpha Championship Wrestling, uh, New York Wrestling Connection, NYWC, ECPW, and any of these uh, 
companies, and possibly ICW, which is a new uh, version of ICW that's out here in New York, quite possible. There might be a teaser of myself and Danny DeManto locking up for one one more match. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Homicide and Loki and a lot of those guys. I'm, I'm saying that uh, facetiously because I'm certain you're aware of these guys. These guys are House of Glory wrestling legends. They came from the doghouse, which is where I spent a lot of my time um, during the 90s. Uh, watching these guys and their passion, um, homicide. I mean, I'm not going to call him by his by his government name, but uh, I remember him making a video game character on a video game and just watching these guys do their thing. I just watched the match with the uh, homicide and Loki against Samoa Joe, and who the heck was the other guy? Oh, see, that's was old age is setting in. But it, it was uh, oh no uh, Jay Lethal okay Whew. okay here we go had a had a kick out of two and it was absolutely insane but all I know is I will mention this other name also please look his name up on uh, Facebook Bobby Lombardi the Godfather of the Doghouse the guy that made it possible for uh, Homicide and Loki to begin their wrestling career and take things that far. Um, I can't say enough about Bobby. Um, we miss him very much. He took kids that were written off for being on the streets. Uh, everyone just, you know, they just didn't give these you know guys a chance. You know, a lot of them came from broken homes and everybody had their own problems and stuff, but um, Bobby Lombardi gave these kids a place to go and learn wrestling and if they didn't have the money to pay for uh, the wrestling school he said okay well you know the floor needs to be mopped we need to sweep up inside here so he always provided a way for these guys to be able to pay their way even if they didn't have the finances for it so um i'm trying to um, fight back any emotion because Bobby, we paid tribute to him some time before we knew he was going to die. Um, and just the absolute joy he had and all these people coming to him, it's almost like it's a, it's, it's a, here's your life moment. And all these people came just to honor this man and, and let him smell his roses rather than lay him by his casket where he can't smell them. And um, myself and Evan put this together and um, I'm, I'm thankful we did. But um, what a to look up Bobby Lombardi, and you, you should find it on Facebook. I think a tribute paid for for Bobby. And uh, every time we think about homicide, low key, uh, uh, remember that a guy like him gave those guys a chance, uh, took them off the street, which could have led them to other things that would have been. Uh, less than productive and could have wound them in places, you know, where, uh, you know, they need not to be. So I, we're thankful. Um, I'm thankful, Bobby. Uh, we had a place set up in Jamaica, Queens, which was a really, really bad neighborhood. But a lot of the gangbanger kids and stuff knew what we were about. And every Saturday night we put a show on to bring the kids from the neighborhood in, take them off the streets at night, at least one night a week. 
and give them a safe place to go. And they tagged our building, but they did it respectfully, and they protected us. So, uh, you know, it's like I said, when it's all about love, uh, it goes a long way. The toughest person, regardless of who they are, you show love, you get love back. You show respect, you get respect back. That's what life is about. You guys are great. Uh, I, just that you reached out to me is uh, very humbling to me. Uh, for someone that's not a household name, uh, and and like I said, you know, I have no angst or anger towards anyone of the guys who made it. Uh, you mentioned Bubba Ray. Uh, I remember helping him break in when he first broke in. Mikey Whipwreck. Remember watching him breaking in. Um, I used to room with Big Vito back when we were just doing jobs and when he was Skull Von Cross. Yeah, so it's, uh, I guess the, the best part about it is that this, regardless of where you are in this rainbow of uh, wrestling, so to speak, whether you're in the journalistic portion where you guys are working on something independently, which I respect immensely, and I'll tell anybody that the, most of the music that's in my car is all independent musicians. It's all people, uh, or any of the books that I read, maybe with the exception of Thomas Sowell, but uh, are all independent authors. I support everything indie. Everything. Because somebody needs that start. And, and if you're one of these people that's out there that's reluctant to dive into something and, and do something, um, Look at these guys. They're taking a chance. You know, they've got a fan base. They're doing something. Uh, they've got a muse. They have. They're, they're being creative and they're being productive. And they have something to show for what they've done. And um, uh, that's a great thing. It's a great thing. Uh, I think it's a great. Everybody needs to have something they do other than their occupation that gives them purpose and a feeling of uh, accomplishment. And uh, you guys are great. Be very professional, very respectful. I wish nothing but success for your podcast. Um, I also hope that um, maybe we could have another one where I'll actually have Evan uh, uh, at my location and we could do it like a conference where we sit near and um, grab him on there again. You know, to, we'll talk about the wrestler, talk about 350 days. Ask him about being the chauffeur for Team Splendid and what it's like for a guy that, you know, we always assure everybody, hey, listen, Evan's in the ring. Um, nobody touch Evan, please. He's not a wrestler. He's a movie producer <laughs> and a radio host. So, you know, hands off the – even though he's a big, tall guy. Funny thing is he towers over us. But, you know, it's like, you know, take him outside. Don't touch him. Don't touch him. But great guy. Great guy. I've known Evan for close to actually 25, not even more than 25 years. Almost, I would say, almost near 30 years. Um, if he loves you, he loves you. If he hates you, he hates you. He's a you know pretty straight up guy. But the one thing about him, I can tell you, is that he's uh, nothing but heart, nothing but love, nothing but compassion, and uh, you couldn't ask for a greater friend. Well, brother, we definitely appreciate you being here with us today. It was a pleasure to have you. You're always welcome back. We'd love to do this again with you. And best of luck. 
with the continuation of your career. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it much. And also well wishes for Bobby C., my partner, who's uh, suffering from flu conditions. No, it's not the nasty uh, virus, but uh, he's suffering through that, so just well wishes to Bobby. Um, Once again, guys, uh, great, a great time. Looking forward to this all day long. I hope you guys have much more success. And I'm looking forward to listening to the playback and seeing if I don't sound like a total idiot. (laughs) (laughs) It was all good, brother, for sure. My fans, definitely check out what he does. Go catch him at a live show. Look him up on YouTube. Definitely, I think you'll be entertained by it. We'll be back with you next week. A week from this very day, we will have Tank, hardcore wrestler, on the show. Actually, I take that back. We will have... Not take, we will have military day of this very show. All branches of the military represented by wrestlers. That's going to be a fun, fun show. Be with us. We will be with you next week. Get out there, support your locals. We'll talk to you soon.